and and Caitlin, I am so grateful for your work on the on the Home Birth Collective. It it changed the course of my life, changed who I am as a mother and as a wife, and I'm so grateful. Welcome to the Happy Home Birth Podcast, your source for positive natural childbirth stories and your community of support, education, and encouragement in all things home birth and motherhood. When your first birth leaves you feeling the victim, and when that feeling pervades into your experience of motherhood, is that it for you? How do you recover? Hey there, happy home birthers, and welcome to episode 220 of the Happy Home Birth Podcast. I'm your host, Caitlin Fusco, and today we're speaking with my incredible friend, Amy Rowden. Amy is the wife of Ben and mother of Benjamin and Ivy. She and Ben are working towards a more sustainable future for their family. Amy enjoys time with her family, a strong cup of coffee, and living life unconventionally. And Amy took part in the Home Birth Collective, and I'm so thrilled for you all to be able to hear the incredible transformation of this amazing woman. Her story inspires me to my core and brings about so much hope for the weary mama. I know you're going to love this. And speaking of the Home Birth Collective, I want to ask you, what does it mean for you to achieve your empowered home birth? What does it mean to be prepared for birth and for motherhood? I would love to unpack these concepts with you inside of the Home Birth Collective, which is now a self-study option, so far more accessible, but with the continued coaching and Q&A support through our private Facebook group. If you are looking to prepare for your home birth experience, but so much more than that, if you're looking to prepare in depth for this experience of motherhood, your entrance or re-entrance into motherhood, I would love to have you join the Home Birth Collective. The link is in the show notes, or if you go on Instagram, you can click the link in my bio and it will take you there as well. What's really special is when you click that link, within those first five days, you have a large discount on the Home Birth Collective. Uh, So go check that out. I'd love to have you join today. Okay, let's jump into today's episode with Amy. Please remember that the opinions of my guests may not necessarily reflect my own and vice versa. And the show is not medical advice. It is an educational tool. So continue to take empowered responsibility for your health and your family. Amy, I am so excited to have you on the Happy Home Birth Podcast. Thank you so much for coming on. Caitlin, I couldn't be more excited to get to share these stories with you. It is always exciting to start any interview, but when it is a student that I've gotten to work with in such an intimate nature inside of the Home Birth Collective, wow, it's just, it's such a special experience. And Of course, I know your previous birth story, but this is so cool to be able to hear it tied to your most recent birth. Um, And I'm so excited for the listeners to be able to to hear this because this one's going to be just so powerful. Um, So would you mind before we get started, just taking a moment to introduce yourself to the listeners and and your family as well? Sure. Yeah. My name is Amy Rowden um, and I'm a mama of two babies. I have Benjamin, who will be four in a little over a month, and Miss Ivy, who is almost four months old. Um, been 
married to my husband, Ben, for uh, four and a half years. We've been together for a really long time, but just married for four and a half. And um, we're living the RV camper life in Kansas right now. That is incredible. Yes. And it was always so fun to hear the updates of what was going on in the camper life world. It's <laughs> all our consuming, Caitlin. <laughs> it's all consuming. It's a thing. <laughs> well, awesome. Okay. So what I was thinking we could do is I'd love for us to just start at the beginning. Would you tell me about your um, experience of, of becoming pregnant with pregnant with Benjamin? Yeah. Yeah. So first little disclaimer, I do have Ivy with me. She is attached to the hip right now as i'm sure so many of us can relate to um and um and i took some notes because i wanted to make sure that i um, had a really good foundation of what we'd be talking about and and my paper is particularly crispy so you might hear me flipping pages throughout um so to answer your question, getting pregnant with Benjamin, um, we we just really kind of decided that it felt like it was time for us to uh, start our family. And um, thankfully, we, we only tried for a couple of months. We found out that I was pregnant with Benjamin in July of 2018. I think right from the beginning, I knew that I, I wanted something a little bit more than the traditional meet with your OBGYN for five minutes and then take your chances of who's going to help deliver your baby in the hospital. Um, I did quickly start looking for alternative care, um, but I did start with the first two appointments with the OBGYN that I'd been seeing since I was a teenager. Um, The reason for that is because I wanted an ultrasound, (laughs) which sounds so silly in in hindsight, but I really wanted that visual peace of mind that baby was okay. So I did the first two appointments. uh, And while I was waiting for those appointments was doing a lot of research um, in the meantime of my other options. My husband and I definitely agreed um, that home birth wasn't our best option um, based on our physical location, the hospital choices we didn't trust. and, And we just came to the general consensus that Maybe for the second baby, but not, but not our first. They also do have a traditional birth center here in Kansas City. Um, I did some research um, and just didn't feel like it was the right fit for me either. Um, I did have a doula really early on and uh, just asked their recommendation, and they recommended um, two hospital-based midwives. And um, so for like the third. Um, prenatal appointment was when we met them. And at that point, it was almost just assumed that that's who we were going to go with. I didn't really interview. I didn't ask many questions, um, but I liked them enough. And, and so, and the, and the doulas had trusted them. And so I felt like that was the choice that was sufficient. Um, throughout the care with them, I don't think that there is very much education about um, about health, about nutrition, about physical activity. Um, there are some opinions about options um, throughout the care. They always felt really pretty biased. Um, and again, I didn't question much of anything. It was just go with the flow. Everything seems fine so far. And, and that's 
that's how we went about most of that pregnancy. Um, I did have a lot of morning sickness and I mentioned this because this is where you're going to start to see when we start talking about the second pregnancy differences really right from the beginning. Um, so morning sickness was really pretty intense and I was mostly eating carbohydrates because that's what would settle. And I think it was the beginning of a vicious cycle of, um, of what I was doing to support my body and how my body was reacting. So a lot of carbohydrates. I had a lot of morning sickness. I strictly only took prenatals gummies because that's what I could handle at the time. The gummies. <laughs> um, and my body was unhappy with me. Um, I had a really pretty severe allergic reaction. Um, at some point in my, in the pregnancy, I was probably about 20 weeks, um, don't really know what it was from, um, but I had hives from my eyelids to the soles of my feet. And when we went to the urgent care center, I said to the to the doctor, it's visually from what you can see, it's really bad, but it's the worst on my stomach. And he asked if he could see it. And I lifted up my little maternity shirt and he audibly gasped. <laughs> and sent me on my way with a prescription of a very high dosage of Benadryl. And, um, and knowing what I know now, that's probably not the course of action that I would have taken, but I finally got some relief and took a wonderful nap. <laughs> and <laughs> Those Benadryl naps, man. <laughs> um, and then throughout the pregnancy, I was really physically uncomfortable. I have hip dysplasia and my yeah. hips were really uncomfortable um, and had a lot of pubic pain. So I was seeing the chiropractor for that very frequently um, and it would help for a little bit, um, but didn't ever seem to, to stop the discomfort. Mm -hmm. um, also throughout the pregnancy, I had some... I had three gallbladder attacks at different points throughout the pregnancy. And I had never experienced that before. So I didn't know what it was. I thought I was probably dying. <laughs> and, um, and I called the midwives the first time it happened. And by the time they called back, the pain had subsided. They said it was probably gallbladder pain, but that there wasn't anything that they could do about it until after baby was born. Again, in hindsight, I know I probably could have changed my diet, um, but I didn't have that information. I didn't go looking for it, and um, and so I dealt with the gallbladder attacks. Um, and then at about 34 weeks, I was lying in bed with my husband. We were watching TV, and I noticed that I every time I would look down at my feet and my legs, they seemed to get more and more swollen. And mm. I had read that if that swelling was normal, but pitting edema was not. And so I kept poking at my legs to see if it would pit and then stay. And it eventually did. Um, and so late at night, my husband drove me to Walmart <laughs> to check my blood pressure. And, um, you know, Google told me that it was elevated, but it wasn't at a concerning level yet. So we went home, went to bed. The next morning I went to work. Um, on my way to work, I called my midwife's office and left a message for the nurse and told them what the level, what the reading of the blood pressure was. 
um, and I didn't hear back from them. And so I went about the day just assuming, well, it if I haven't heard back, it must not be that serious. Um, on my way home from work that day, I did stop by again, check my blood pressure once more, um, and it was really about the same as it was the previous night. Um, went to bed. The next morning, we had a terrible snowstorm, um, but I had to go to work. I was in sales at the time. It was a very high pressure job and I had a sale that I absolutely had to close that day. Mm -hmm. Um, but the snowstorm meant that my car was not going to safely get myself to work. So my husband drove me to work so I could finalize the sale and he was just going to go change the oil on the truck, come back, pick me up, and take me home after I was able to put that sale in the system. <laughs> and um, as I am going through my work tasks, I finally get a call back from the nurses. So over 24 hours after my initial oh. call to the nurse, Ooh. she calls me back and says very urgently, I'm so sorry we didn't get back to you. This is dangerous. We need you to go to labor and delivery immediately. And I'm so thankful that my husband had driven me because I needed I needed to quickly get there. And I don't know that I would have been able to do it myself. So he came and he picked me up. We're driving down, um, down the road and the truck overheated, Caitlin, in the snowstorm, <laughs> overheated. And, and so we pulled over into a parking lot. And um, thankfully, right down the street was a car rental agency. So we went and we got a rental car, we went to the hospital. And my blood pressure was just really through the roof, but it was very variable. Um, and so we did go ahead and decide to do the 24 hour urine analysis. And that showed mild preeclampsia. So I sat home after a couple of days on bed rest. Um, and I just got ready to be induced and, um, and meet Benjamin, um, which we're so excited for. Really, looking back now, I was excited to know when that was going to be. And I could plan and, um, and really prepare for this end date that we had in mind. The induction was scheduled for 37 weeks, and the hospital had a policy that any babies born before 37 weeks were automatically going to be sent to the NICU. So I wanted to kind of give my body a head start um, with some natural induction methods, but I didn't want to start so early that I was risking that 37-week NICU stay. Um, and so two or three days before the induction was scheduled, I went to the chiropractor who also did some acupuncture, was drinking gallons of red raspberry leaf tea. Um, and the day that my pump arrived, I, I used the pump to try and stimulate some contractions. And um, we went into labor and delivery on Thursday night, on a Thursday night in March for the scheduled induction. The induction methods that I had been trying were producing some contractions, according to the monitors. Um, they really probably just felt more like Braxton Hicks, but it was something. It was a head start. <laughs> I felt like at least there was some progress. 
Um, and got there, immediately did a cervical check, and I was, I don't remember exactly how dilated I was, maybe a two, two and a half. He was up really high, um, and he started the Heplock after several attempts, multiple nurses. We started Cervidil um, after being suggested that I try Cytotec instead. Um, and Benjamin always had a really hard time finding his heartbeat with the um, with the Doppler. Same thing with the monitors at the hospital. So the nurse all night long was in and out trying to replace the monitors to keep an eye on his heart rate. And so that night I got almost no sleep um, and also had heartburn that I didn't have any help with um, because the nurse didn't want to call in a prescription for it. Um, right. <laughs> it's very inconvenient. <laughs> Friday morning, I wanted to try a couple more natural induction methods um, without Pitocin. So we did a, a membrane sweep. We did try the Foley bulb, which is very uncomfortable. Um, and we did go ahead and start Pitocin. Um, and, and that was very quickly, really pretty intense. Um, and I really needed Ben to be there with me and um, my husband, Ben, and hold my hand. And uh, so that way I could kind of squeeze and release some tension. Uh, I tried the birthing ball, but I really quickly realized that I needed the bath. Um, couldn't give birth in the bathtub in the hospital, but I wanted to labor in it as much as possible. Um, and because Benjamin was really having a hard time being monitored outside of the water, the nurse was showing outward <laughs> annoyed emotions that I could want to get in the bathtub because it was clearly going to make her job more difficult. Um, but as luck would have it, settled into the bathtub and the entire time I was in the bath, his heart rate was on that monitor consistently. <laughs> and so we kind of settled into a, a routine. I was, you know, just resting and listening to my music. Um, that was very calm. And, um, and then when a contraction would, would rise, I would ask Ben for his hand and squeeze and breathe through them. And this worked uh, really well for a long time. The nurse continued to increase Pitocin, which I'm sure is, is protocol. Um, but the contractions were coming at a very nice pace, I feel like. Um, and then she asked to increase one more time. And this is where I really felt like my power, my own power started to, to decrease. I didn't want more Pitocin, but I, I felt like the nurse asked me to, and so I should. Mm. Um, and so I, I actually asked if we could wait a little bit. Um, and, and then very quickly was like, you know what? I can handle it. I can handle a little bit more Pitocin. Um, and so that's what we did. We increased the Pitocin. The contractions got very intense with very little time in between. Um, my doula suggested a position change. And I was comfortable where I was. I was handling really well. Um, but I did go ahead and try because I had seen and heard that, you know, well, maybe a different position will feel a little bit more comfortable. And I was open to it, but quickly realized once I got into that position, um, it was not for me. So as I was 
getting settled back into my preferred position, my water broke. And in a hospital, when your water breaks, you have to have a cervical check. And so <laughs> we got out of the tub for a cervical check. Um, and I felt like I was being pummeled by the ocean, drowning, couldn't get a full breath. So between the increased Pitocin, my water breaking, getting out of the bathtub, um, and, and not feeling like I had any control over my own body, my blood pressure skyrocketed. Wow. (laughs) And at this point I am begging for an epidural, right? Um, it's, what your your body is avoiding all of these things and when they happen despite what your body is telling you it needs your body needs help so that's what mm-hmm. i did i got the epidural i settled into the hospital bed with a peanut ball and i rested fitfully but i rested um the doula left for a little bit to take a little bit of a break and then i started feeling more pressure and thought that I might be ready for, um, to push and got a cervical check. Um, midwife said that he was still really pretty high. Um, so I kind of continued to labor down a little bit longer. Um, the doula came back uh, to the hospital and I began pushing and I only pushed for 40 minutes before he was born and still it was very heavily coached. Um, I was told when to push, um, and then towards the end told how to push, um, which again, in hindsight, I question because I only pushed for 40 minutes. Um, after Benjamin was born, I, um, had pretty severe tearing and, um, felt really disoriented. <laughs> I felt bewildered, um, at, at this new squishy baby in my arms and I, was kind of shell-shocked and and my doula told me say hi to your baby and I remember thinking oh I don't even know how to talk to my baby I've done everything wrong to this point and and now I'm being told how to introduce myself to my child um um just went through the motions and the first day we had a lot of visitors, a lot of family got to meet Benjamin and it felt really joyous. Um, And then through Benjamin's second night, we ended up um, having a bilirubin test um, because he was starting to look a little bit yellow and it came back very highly jaundiced. um, And so we were told to supplement with formula Um, and that they would continue to check his levels and quickly the levels raised and they kept rising and it was, um, determined that we were going to be admitted to the NICU. Um, the NICU is such a stressful place to be and felt so helpless as a, as a new mom who's dealing with sutures in on our perineum and um tired so tired um we ended up being discharged after a few days um 
but anybody who's ever had a baby on Billy Rubin lights likely knows that there is bound to be a, a rebound in their in their uh, Billy Rubin numbers. So we went home, but then the next morning we retested and were readmitted to the hospital. Um, and after one week of being in the NICU, we were finally able to come home. Um, wow. All of this healing as as a new mom was almost impossible, almost impossible. You're no longer a patient. You're the, you're the parent of a patient of a baby in the NICU. Um, and we lived an hour away from the hospital that we were in. And so from the time that I was induced until the time that we went home, I did not go home because I couldn't fathom being that far away from him in case something happened. Um, so I finally made it home. Life felt good. Sun was shining a little bit brighter. <laughs> and then and then about 36 hours after we were discharged with Benjamin, my gallbladder pain came back and it wouldn't let up. So we eventually went to the emergency room and I spent days 10 through 15 of my postpartum waiting for my liver enzyme levels to decrease enough for surgery to have my gallbladder removed. Those days were mostly in PO, nothing by mouth. I had a few days where I could have some clear liquids. So I'm nursing and pumping um, on a liquid only diet. Gosh. And Eventually, we went home on day 16 and started motherhood feeling disoriented, feeling like decisions for me and my child are made for me, and I let it. This is so relatable, Amy. I mean, there are going to be so many moms who hear this and are like, that was me. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Even though it's hard to tell, it's worth telling. Mm -hmm. So... Adjusting to one child was very difficult. Felt like my life had been flipped upside down and and we got a rough start. Yeah. And that's when I decided that the course had to change. So well before we decided to start trying for baby number two, I knew that it was going to be different and it was starting right now. <laughs> begin doing research, um, different area home birth midwives, discovered the Happy Home Birth podcast. <laughs> we changed our pediatrician. I needed to find providers and support. Um, I needed to find providers that wanted their patients to have choices and informed consent. And, yeah. and this is really when I started to feel more empowered. So Benjamin was about two and a half when we decided to start trying for our second baby. And in January of 2022, we found out we were pregnant with our second child. And immediately I began researching and I set up interviews with about five different midwives in our area, researching how to prevent preeclampsia. Um, and let me just say, Kansas City has some incredible 
home birth midwife options. Mm-hmm. Um, I had so many to choose from, so many personalities to work with. Um, and I think something that I noticed throughout the interview process that so many of them felt like they were honest with me and um, honest in answering the questions that I was asking. I was asking almost qualifying questions, knockout questions. I wanted to know their protocol for um, moms who've had preeclampsia before. Um, What happens if there's a, a breech baby? I wanted to know the answers to those questions before I made those decisions. And I felt the midwives all gave me their honest opinion. And so choosing the midwife that I felt most comfortable with was a no brainer. (laughs) I knew exactly, exactly who I was going to go with as soon as I left the interview. At the time that we chose our home birth midwife, we were living in apartments. And so we were already considering an Airbnb for the birth um, because um, of the thin walls in our apartment complex. Um, and, and so that was, that was how we started. Like I mentioned, I really wanted to avoid preeclampsia again. It totally changed the course of my first pregnancy and I wanted to be in control as much as I possibly could. So I began researching how to prevent preeclampsia. Um, and I found some really great resources and Um, So what I ended up focusing on was a lot of protein, um, really as much as I possibly could, salting to taste um, with high quality salt, um, more physical activity than I had done with Benjamin's pregnancy. I was supplementing with magnesium and I did go ahead and decide to um, try to take aspirin to prevent preeclampsia. I absolutely wanted to make sure that I gave this my all. Um, Those were not the only supplements that I was taking. I was also taking a food-based prenatal. I learned that a lot of those gummies don't have everything that they need. I was taking additional DHA, a probiotic, and vitamin D, which I felt comfortable with. I know it's not for everybody, but these are the things that I was taking. Um, And in April of 2022, We finally, after many years of hard work, we were able to pursue our dream of buying a camper. We wanted to start traveling right away, Um, but since I was pregnant, we actually ended up being mostly stationary um, in a wonderful park here in Kansas, and um, we did have to move our camper frequently. (laughs) I was going to say, I mean... You were stationary in the sense that you were in the same park, but there was a lot of moving. There was a lot of moving. And part of that was our own fault. Uh, We really needed to be in the, in the shade and those shady spots are highly sought after. And, Mm -hmm. and so we, we made the sacrifice of moving frequently to be comfortable. Um, Yep. (laughs) And, and, and here's, Here's where I just feel like you can see such a difference in the care. Um, I was encouraged to read lots of books about nutrition and stay active um, and really take care of my body and my mind throughout the pregnancy. And pregnancy was much easier. I had very little morning sickness. I um, had much less hip pain 
So I kept saying throughout the pregnancy, I can't believe how much easier this is. Um, And with the preeclampsia, I knew that if it was going to increase, it likely wasn't going to increase until the end of the pregnancy. Um, And so it felt a little bit like I was waiting for the other shoe to drop. Um, And I did learn to to begin to let that go. I have no indication that anything's going to go wrong. Um, And so I'm not going to stress over something that might never happen. Um, towards the end of the pregnancy, the, my blood pressure did increase once or twice, um, but was always able to get it to come back down um, with some mindfulness and some protein. <laughs> um, <laughs> now, I had spent many mornings sitting in front of the lake, and I had been um, meditating about how I wanted this to look different. Uh, I knew I wanted something different. I knew I didn't need another birth course. I'd already taken one with my first pregnancy. I knew the positions. I knew I needed to stay hydrated. And I knew my husband could give me hip squeezes. But what I really needed was a way to take back my motherhood. I was trying to find a way to take this back as a rite of passage rather than a medical event. I'd had my gallbladder removed. I'd had a baby in the NICU, but this was different. And I knew I needed to prepare for it in a very different way. After spending about a week of watching the sunrise and meditating over this, I got an email in my inbox from Happy Home Birth introducing the Home Birth Collective. I knew this was it. I knew that bringing life into this world was more than the medical event, and I couldn't wait to get started. Now, this really opened up a can of worms. It dug up a lot of emotions, a lot of traumas, both mine and others that I had caused. I was learning through the Home Birth Collective how to set boundaries that I'd grown resentful for. Um, I learned how to admit personal responsibility for birth. And, and once you learn how to admit responsibility for one part of your life, you learn really quickly how to take responsibility for lots of other parts of your life. So this bled into my marriage, motherhood, relationships with family members, work even. And, um, and this really became a catalyst to change my life. And if we choose motherhood, it's already our responsibility No one can make the choices for us. We've just been letting them. So there had to be a mind shift change. And the Home Birth Collective was the beginning of that. There was no more victim card. In the preparation, I made a hospital birth plan, but I also spoke with our midwives for our wishes in the Airbnb. Um, But I had that hospital birth plan just in case. I told the midwives that I wanted a mostly untouched birth. So no cervical checks, no coach pushing, no position suggestions unless they felt necessary. And so we waited. I prepared for postpartum in a way that I did not do with my first. Um, I had meals for weeks. I had padsicles. I had a sits bath. Um, and, and every time we had to move the camper, it felt like we were playing a game with fate. Um, sometimes we had shade. Other times we didn't. We had hookups. We had water. Other times we were running off of our battery bank and a generator. (laughs) 
I had lots of Braxton Hicks contractions leading up to this. So it always felt like we were teetering on the edge of when we were going to have this baby. I had a fear of being tired going into, into birth. Um, and so I really did my best to make sure that I was always well rested, well hydrated and kept my proper nutrition in the days and weeks leading up to giving birth. So that way I couldn't let being tired be the reason why I needed to transfer. I put a lot of emphasis on that. I began losing my mucus plug. Um, and here's where I let fear creep in. I felt this imposter syndrome. Um, I felt like, am I really the mom who has a successful home birth? Um, and, and this is when Caitlin, we had a coaching call and we were talking about fears and releasing them. And you told me, Caitlin, feel the fear and give birth anyways, which is a quote by Dr. Rachel Reed. And I carried that with me and I had to fall back on it a lot of times over the next couple of days, but I felt more and more empowered every time I said it. I could be afraid. I could be afraid of the unknown. I could be the mom who tries to have a home birth and ends up transferring, but that's okay. I put the trust back into my body because it hadn't failed me yet. So one night I had been uh, contracting all day long. Um, I spent a lot of the day resting. Um, and then we pulled in, we had to move the camper. So we pulled into our camping site, which was a dry camping spot, meaning no hookups, no water, just off grid living. <laughs> And this is something that we were really afraid of happening throughout the entire pregnancy. Um, like fate just knows when it's time to show its face. The moment my husband put the truck in park, I had my first contraction. And it felt oh <laughs> Hello. <laughs> and then I fostered it. I made dinner um, in a dim environment and we kept the evening really calm. Um, we relaxed after we put Benjamin to bed, so I was already prepared. I spent time with Ben, ripened the cervix, and went to bed with lots of contractions. Continuing all through the night, but I rested. I got so much rest in between these contractions that were really already pretty consistent. Lost more mucus plug in the middle of the night. And once I determined that this wasn't going to fizzle out, it was close to morning, and so we verified the Airbnb close to the midwife's office and began packing up all of the things that we had set aside. Of course, we had to stop by Target for some snacks, uh, and then we continued on to the Airbnb, and as we were getting off the highway, I felt a kick right into my cervix, had the strongest contraction that lasted for uh, about three minutes. And then we finally got to the Airbnb. The midwives got us settled in. They had strung up some twinkly lights, get up, mm. set up their supplies, and then started warming up the soup that I had made weeks in advance. He started some laundry, and Benjamin and him started playing with uh, a much-anticipated brand-new toy. Uh, I was able to labor 
how I wanted to. I, looking back, I'm really impressed with my body, um, of course, but I, I could kind of pick my own labor. If I needed a break, I could lay in bed and I would get these very intense contractions that would have a long break in between. But if I wanted to amp things up a little bit, I could jump in the shower and the contractions in the shower were much less intense, um, but in much shorter intervals. I tried sitting backwards on the toilet, but it practically stopped the contractions altogether. Um, so back and forth I went. I was breathing, visualizing, baby descending. Um, and something that, Caitlin, you mentioned to the, the Home Birth Collective cohort was using combs. Um, to help with the discomfort. Um, but you said something that I so appreciated. You said that the combs might not be the end-all be-all, but it was worth trying. And I remember standing in the shower, going through the contraction, squeezing the daylights out of this poor little comb and realizing it was providing no relief. <laughs> Nothing. <laughs> Caitlin, you were in my head and I was able to be like, just because they worked for somebody else doesn't mean that they're going to work for me. So I, I went back and forth doing the things that, that were help that was helping me. And I spent many hours in the shower, <laughs> many hours in the shower. Um, and as so many other moms know, as soon as my son was in bed, contractions were able to pick up. Um, and this is where things intensified. I was much more vocal, um, really had to focus. And um, shout out to Hatch Sound Makers because Benjamin slept through all of it. Wow. <laughs> um, and so at this point, I was in the shower and I knew that things were to a point that I wanted to labor in the tub. So I hadn't been filled a labor tub and I wanted a little bit of a break before I got in. So I went and I laid down on the bed and I had several incredibly intense contractions and I knew that my little trick of getting a break was no longer working when I was laying down. <laughs> this is where I started to question my own dilation. Um, and I remember laying in bed at the peak of one of the most intense contractions and shouting and looking at Ben and saying, I got to get out of this bed. Um, and so as soon as that contraction was done, I got up and I got into the birth tub. And this is when I told Ben to go ahead and call the midwives. It was 11, 18 PM when that call was made. And the midwife said she would be there in about 15 minutes with her and two students, and that the other midwife was going to come closer to the actual birth. Um, at this point, really the only comfort that I had, uh, aside from the pool, which really did help, but Ben would pull up on my arms, and like the stretching motion felt really relieving. And so I needed him for every contraction to steady my upper arms, and I just let contractions wash over me. The first midwife arrived. She asked how I was feeling. She asked if I was pushy. And I said, no. Um, I, like I said, I'd been starting to doubt where my dilation was. So I asked if she could check me and no response. And, and then 
I felt this, what I know now is fetal ejection <laughs> reflex response. <laughs> and the midwife asked again if I was feeling pushy and I said, yes. And can you please check me? And she says, I can. And in that moment, I knew that she respected my wishes enough to not allow me to doubt myself. Um, they kept telling me that I could reach down and touch Ivy's head. Um, but I really felt like I couldn't. I felt like I couldn't. Every time I would try, um, it was uncomfortable. And I just wanted to be in the position where Ben was holding my arms up. They respectfully told me to slow down my pushing as her head emerged. Um, the midwives helped bring her onto my chest at 12.01 a.m. So 43 of the most intense moments of my life, so supported physically, emotionally by my husband and the midwives. And I look back in comparison to the moment of bringing both of my children to my chest. And with Benjamin's uh, birth, I felt bewildered. With Ivy, I felt this awestruck wonder. With Benjamin, felt like I needed to be the quiet first-time mom. And with Ivy, I screamed this baby into the world. Mm. And for the first time, I felt like the primal mother that I was designed to be. And it took it from the medical event that I experienced with Benjamin to the rite of passage that it deserved to be. Wow. It's really hard not to see the beauty in that. God designed our bodies to do that. And so we can no longer allow ourselves to be the victim to our society's idea of how birth should go. So after Ivy was born, we noticed that her breathing was slightly accelerated, but all of her APGAR scores were great otherwise. She was nursing wonderfully. So after about 16 hours and her breathing still not slowing, so we did decide to go ahead and transfer to the hospital once Ivy was about 16 hours old um, for some support with her breathing. And this was disappointing. I felt discouraged. Um, but I fell back on the midwives and our pediatrician who supported us through all of this and gave really great advice. Um, I was able to find my voice and I found that within myself, I had a wonderful nurse who asked me questions and was willing to listen to my answers. Um, it's still hard to verbalize, but I did my best that I could, and it really changed how I look back on that time. We were discharged one week after she was admitted. And again, looking back, I don't feel traumatized. It was just really hard. It was hard, but that doesn't mean that I needed to be traumatized by it because I didn't let it. <laughs> I finally went wow. home took it really easy um, since I had prepared so much for postpartum and I cannot emphasize that enough. Preparing for postpartum really can change the course of um, mm -hmm. that experience. We spent a lot of time outside, um, but more than anything, I just spent a lot of time resting and enjoying these two babies. <laughs> um, something else that I loved about the Home Birth Collective is that 
even though in this camper where we live, I'm very physically isolated. We have such a great support system of moms who check on each other and who still meet regularly to touch base. Um, and that's that's not anything that I've ever experienced before, especially not with like-minded moms. Right. Looking back, my life changed when I decided that it was time to take my own life back. Um, and it didn't happen all at once, but it was there was definitely a point in time that I can look back on and realize that I got my life back when I took it back. There's layers to break down. We're still on this journey. Things are changing. I learn more about myself, more about my husband, more about my children, and I adapt and I change. So we're going to continue on that journey. Mm -hmm. Amy, it's been so cool hearing your story, especially after, in some ways, getting to experience it with you and seeing the breakthroughs along the way, seeing where you were at the beginning of the Home Birth Collective versus where you are now. And for me, I'm just so overwhelmed with gratitude to have been able to see it happen. Um, Transformation is incredible. (laughs) Like seeing a mother transform. There is nothing more brilliant and and beautiful. And I think that what's so incredible about your story in particular and what's so hope providing to others is the fact that it's not like, oh, well, it was my first birth and and I had this beautiful transformation and it was a rite of passage and everything was great. No, you experienced a version of birth that was different prior to that. And you lived in a version of motherhood much informed by that experience by birth that was once again in in ways suboptimal compared to what you've transformed into. And so I think that what I want other mothers to hear is the fact that if you're feeling like, well, you know, I didn't, I just didn't have that transformation and and now it's gone. You know, I already had my baby or I'm pregnant for the second time. So it doesn't matter. No, no. At any moment you can choose this new outlook. You can choose a new mindset. You can choose to do the work to get yourself there because no, it doesn't just fall in your lap. There's a lot of digging. I know that you've said that before. You had to dig a lot up. You had to face some demons. But what you met on the other side and the sacred transformation that you experienced, I I feel confident just based off of the the way that your face glows at this point, that that was so worth it to you. Absolutely. And and Caitlin, I am so grateful for your work on the on the Home Birth Collective. It it changed the course of my life, changed who I am as a mother and as a wife. And I'm so grateful. No, oh, well, I praise God for that. <laughs> well, I will humbly Good. pass that on to the Lord. <laughs> thank you. Thank you so much, Amy, for that. But but for just allowing me to be on this journey with you and for allowing us to to peel back those layers and for you to share it with so many listeners. Um, who I know, I mean, I have heard your story so many times. There are so many mothers who are 
pre-Ivy Amy, <laughs> you know, <laughs> who who need to feel that need just to feel that that there is there is change available to you. Um, just incredible. So Amy, thank you so, so much for coming on the Happy Home Birth Podcast. Thank you, Caitlin. How incredible was Amy's story? As we head into this week's episode roundup, a few thoughts are coming up just so strongly for me. And the first one is that Amy's first birth was felt as a traumatic experience, while her second was not, despite the fact that both included extended time in the NICU. What does this tell us about trauma? So much of trauma is based on how we're treated and how much control we feel we have over a situation. Amy was a new woman when Ivy was born and she felt confident in her ability to stand up for her child, to know what to do, and to make the best decisions for her. Despite the fact that the situation was difficult, it was not something that her body or heart perceived as traumatic. This is so critical to understand. Next, I want to talk about preparation. Amy had already given birth before, so in her mind, why on earth would she need another program to prepare? And honestly, I quite agree with her. When most childbirth education is merely slapping a band-aid on birth and teaching how to deal with labor, it truly can be more harmful than helpful. But Amy realized that despite the fact that she'd given birth before, she needed a deeper type of preparation. She needed to dig down to the depths of her being and find the primal mother that she was designed to be. Inside of the Home Birth Collective, this is our focus. My desire isn't just to help you have a painless labor. No, I want you to transform into motherhood in a way that's so powerful that others around you cannot help but take notice. I want you to feel so confident and courageous in your own skin in who you are as your baby's mother. Isn't that so much more of what we need for both birth and life? If you want to learn more about this philosophy, be sure to click and sign up for the Home Birth Collective in the show notes through my Instagram, either way. And finally, it's not too late. Did you have a less than ideal previous birth? Have you, up until now, felt anxious and overwhelmed in your motherhood? It doesn't have to be this way. We can choose a new path forward. We can step into the role that we were designed to fill, just like Amy did. What an incredible, uplifting message. And what a change our generations of mothers can make to the future of humanity if we all step into our confident, God-given role. Okay, my friends, that's all I've got for you for today. I'll see you back here next week. Thanks for listening to this week's episode. Are you looking to extend the home birth support, encouragement, and education? Join us in our Facebook group, Happy Home Birth Podcast Community, and check us out on Instagram at Happy Home Birth Podcast.